everyone. You are now about to listen to the sounds of street knowledge. (laughs) Sorry, y'all. That was my 90s hip hop side coming out of me. But you don't know, I am so excited. Today is the launch of my new podcast, Appetizing Conversations. I'm your host and creator, Tashi Brown. But now that we're all friends, you can call me Tashbi. My podcast simply is to empower black women through the art of conversation and food. So the first guest I thought would be ideal to kick off appetizing conversations is Dr. Aaron D. Tucker. Not only is Dr. Tucker my sister friend through the Junior League of Washington, but she is the co-founder of DMV Black Restaurant Week. Welcome, Dr. Tucker. Thank you for having me, Tashi. It's exciting to be here. Yes, thank you for coming. And while I know all about you, let's give our listeners a snapshot into your background. Dr. Aaron D. Tucker is the faculty director at the Global Hospitality Leadership Master's Program at Georgetown University. She has worked over 20 years in hospitality and event management for restaurant and Fortune 500 companies. As an expert in her field, you may have seen Dr. Tucker quoted in the Washington Post, Food and Wine Magazine, Washingtonian, Wall Street Journal, and other regional publications. In addition, Dr. Tucker has consulted with companies such as Amtrak and the Charlotte Hornets and contributed event management guidance to the 2016 Democratic National Convention. On a global scale, Dr. Tucker has provided curriculum and development design for the workforce training company WAVE, West Africa Vocational Education, located in Nigeria, which provides training for adults to pursue jobs in the hospitality industry. Dr. Tucker served as the 2017-2018 Northeast North American Federation President for the International Council on Hotel, Restaurant, and Institutional Education and was the recipient of their 2016 award for Article of the Year for her contributions to the Journal of Hospitality and Tourism Education. Dr. Tucker holds a bachelor's degree in business administration from Florida Agricultural and Mechanical University, also known as FAMU. Shout out to all the HBCUs. She has a master's degree in sports administration from Florida State University and a master in business administration from Winthrop University. Dr. Tucker completed her PhD in hospitality administration at Oklahoma State University. Wow, Dr. Tucker, your background in education is just so remarkable. Woo! Well, I tell you, you were hearing all of that. I said, oh my goodness, who's that person? It oh, is yeah, you. Yeah, I tell you, it's um, it's not linear at all. It was definitely, it's definitely circular. So oh, yes. we'll definitely get into that. Absolutely. So I'm curious, with all of your accolades and awards aside, what experiences or people do you recall growing up that led you to pursue hospitality and events management? Well, great question. Um, Once again, thank you for having me on Appetizing Conversations podcast. I tell you, I was, um, I grew up in Chicago. That's my hometown. My father actually worked in uh, what we would call the spirits industry. I was what's called a spirits kid, even though most people didn't know what that meant. Um, He worked for a company called Shefflin and Somerset. So he was one of the only African-American sales managers who um, who, in the company that basically sold uh, what we would know as um, like a Moet, Hennessy, uh, 
uh, Don Perignon. Um, and so that's what this company was called. Now it's called Diageo. But at the time, it was a small European company and he was one of the few. And so I just knew my dad as that. Mm-hmm. I never thought of it as hospitality at all. So when I went to FAMU, I studied in business. And the only thing I knew is that I wanted to follow my passion. And so at the time, I had a professor that was like, you know, you really need to start looking into the sports industry uh, because they're really looking for people who understand business skills. And so the first step that I did was is that I actually turned down all of the corporate job offers, which was uh, not everyone was kind of looking at me strange and said, you know what, I'm going to go back to Chicago and intern for a sports agent. And uh, his name was Henry Thomas. And he represented guys like so I'm really showing my age now. He represented guys (laughs) like uh, Tim Hardaway and uh, Michael Finley. And just to be in that space and really see the business, I said, wow, Um, but I really liked events. I knew I didn't want to really manage uh, athletes, but I wanted to work in the corporate event side. So when I went back down to school, I actually did some internships with the PGA Tour, Orlando Magic, and that got me that first gig. And so it was really important because remember I told you I didn't want to, you know, work for these, you know, traditional corporate jobs. And one of the first jobs that I got was working for this really big corporate sports uh, company called General Motors. Oh, okay. <laughs> so you know they make cars, and so uh, but I what I did was I negotiated the sponsorship agreement between Cadillac and Buick in a PGA tour. And that was, you know, it was something that I would not have thought about, but I just rolled right into it. Um, I think that working in on this, in the space of golf, interestingly enough, where you don't see many black women, you don't see many African-Americans, it was an interesting time because Tiger Woods was really hot at the time. This was when he first like won the Masters and he was representing Buick. Yeah. Um, and so it was just this very different time. But I didn't see a lot of black women in, in the space of golf. And it actually, created I was able to kind of really create my own path and way where even the commissioner of the PGA tour knew who I was because it wasn't like there was a lot of black women walking around so really as black women we need to understand that we have the space mm-hmm. we're given everything that we need to create our own ways and paths and so that was kind of my my first entry into it and then I kind of went from the corporate side of events over into more of the I guess the restaurant social side of events mm-hmm. where I worked for a company called Jillian's Entertainment which later became Dave and Buster's so most people know Dave and Buster's. Absolutely. I was a sales manager and kind of was rolling with that. I loved it. And uh, there was a school and I was in Charlotte and there was a school named Johnson and Wales University that was opening up a campus. So Johnson and Wales, everybody was excited because Johnson and Wales is known for their uh, culinary hospitality. Emeril Lagasse and went to Johnson and Wales, Tyler Florence, Rebecca Bernstein. It was just like this crazy time. And um, and so I actually booked them for a recruiting event. So nice. yeah, my client, I know, right? My client was the director of admissions and we booked this event and he said, hey, we have this major called sports event entertainment management. I think you'd be a great guest speaker. Went in and guest spoke and said, this is what I want to do. And I love that. I love how at first you start, you said you wanted to pursue your passion. Absolutely. And you did not want to follow that corporate, you know, trajectory yep. that probably all HBCU graduates, you know, were looking forward to. But your passion led you to where you are today. Absolutely. And there's so many opportunities in that. So I, I think that's something valuable that our listeners should kind of take heed to. Um, so some normally think of the hospitality industry. I know I did as those solely working in domestic positions or that of servitude. But obviously, the story that you told us couldn't be further from the truth. Can you explain the trajectory of black women in hospitality and the opportunities for us today? 
That's a great question. Um, absolutely. I think that a lot of times we were, as especially as African-American women, that is how we sort of and people have sort of thought about what hospitality jobs were. Um, very much servitude. We didn't think of it as a career. The last thing that anybody wanted to do was actually go to school to actually go and work at a hotel. Like you didn't go to, you know, mom and daddy didn't put you through college to do that. Um, but no one was thinking about even even in the sense of even cooking, which is so interesting because the you know the curators of all modern day, especially within the U.S., uh, is a combination of black people and black cooking and Caribbean cooking and all of this yes. flavored cooking that came about but there was but when I look at you know magazines of the best chefs I never see us and this was something that really popped up when I worked at Johnson and Wales I was just like there's all of these students but I'm not seeing us at all and so the trajectory of that is that we never saw it so because we didn't see it we didn't really think about it what has happened though over time with social media, with uh, so many more platforms, we're starting to see that these women existed, but they existed in spaces that they were no one knew. Mm -hmm. And so therefore now there's these platforms. So I say now that the trajectory is limitless. Uh, many women have, have worked as managers and worked in hotels and sales. And now we're starting to see uh, them in much more leadership positions. And I think that, and now even into ownership. So I think that now that we're seeing it, we're just running with it. Absolutely, and I love it. I love every last minute of it. I try to follow as many as I can online because we need to give that support and to show, especially these young girls, that it's not all about just being behind the scenes. There are several roles that you can play in front, proud, and you know, still, again, follow the passion that you have. So, Dr. Tucker, one of the reasons why I wanted to interview you was the role you play in the community and the many ways you give back. And one that speaks directly to my inner foodie is your position as co-founder of the DMV Black Restaurant Week. Please tell us all about this great event. Right. So, you know, I think I kind of went through a lot of my journey because it led me to where we really became where this concept of DMV Black Restaurant Week came from. Uh, in 2018, there was just a lot of different um, events that were taking place throughout the country. Uh, there were um, African-American males who were, you know, literally, you know, were in a coffee shop trying to just get business done and the police were called. Um, there was, you know, Coupon, uh, was it Coupon Charlie, Barbecue Becky. Yes. Stories were just uh, just popping up everywhere. And so these, so these articles started to come out and I said, well, where are the black chefs and where are the black hospitality, like the black managers and things like that? And I'm talking and I sat there and said, what do you mean? Where are they? I've been in this now for almost 20 years. They are everywhere. And especially living in the DMV where we've got, I mean, the head of these of two Smithsonian's, uh, you know, uh, you know, the head of the, the head chef, you know, yes. for that. So I'm like, you know, Chef Jerome Grant, a young guy. I mean, we have like no one would ever think about that as a position. Uh, we have so much talent here, but I realized we didn't have a platform. So um, I knew Ferrar Tate uh, through church. Actually, him, we went to the same church, uh, Metropolitan, and and Tate has been in this space. He's been an owner. 
of, of, of Inspire Barbecue that was on 8th Street Northeast. And we started talking. I actually brought him on board uh, to Georgetown as an advisor because I had a student who was doing their um, capstone t- uh, topic on food deserts in D.C. But she was from L.A. And I said, let me tell you something. You can't go down this path without knowing, understanding how D.C. works. Yeah. And I need for you to have Ferrara Tate as your advisor. And he gave her a phenomenal experience. So we kind of met each other and knew each other that way, of course, also with all the work that he does with young people. And so I knew him and you know, he even shows me the path of, of, of D.C. And I, you know, just he's given me so much um, just knowledge, support. Um, so we knew each other and we had a passion for education. And then I read an article about uh, A.J., um, Andre Johnson, uh, who has who both does a little bit of ownership, but she also is really in this cocktail space. Mm-hmm. But the way that her passion for writing about uh, individuals who works in and worked in a space was just like, I need to meet her. So I went and I found her. And so our passion for education is what brought us together. When I saw what was going on and reading these articles, I started to do some research and I started finding black restaurant weeks. So I saw like the first one was in Chicago about six or seven years ago. I saw uh, there was one in Richmond and and one in Memphis and even one in Buffalo, New York. And so I said, you know, this, I think the black restaurant week is a great model Mm -hmm. to begin to showcase celebrate, support, and sustain black restaurants and food service providers. Uh, What better vehicle for this? And so that's where we got started with it. And the first thing that we did is that we went to, and this is, and a lot of people don't report this part of our story, but we went to our elders. We went to uh, Denise Rolock Barnes at Washington Informer. Um, We went to Aisha Karima, who's former Channel 4 uh, Community Relations. We went to our elders and said, here's a one-sheeter. Is this something that you think we should do? And you know old school, they're like, do this, don't do that, do this, don't do that. (laughs) And um, they said, but you got something good here. And that blessing really allowed us to say, okay, let's go ahead and do this. And that's what happened. Wow, that's great. Now, I know this is your second year, correct? of Black Restaurant Week. And can you tell us a little bit about the restaurants who signed to participate? Absolutely. Um, I mean, the restaurant community has just been phenomenal and the support. You know, from last year into this year, we actually didn't know what was going to happen. We uh, started, we did a couple um, events throughout the year to start bringing some of our restaurant owners into spaces that they have not been able to talk about and nobody really you know, really uh, connects with them. Well, we did an event in January where the chief of police of the Metro Police actually sat down and talked to our restaurant owners and really emphasized the importance of them know, uh, getting to know their, their. it was called beat banter, getting to know their cops, beat cops. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no more of this 911, you should not be doing 911, you should be calling, you know, police officers have cell phones, right? Like, you know, no one thinks about it like that, but you can like literally right. call and, and they can come over without that 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 piece. Um, we started to do that. We started to do what was called a storytelling through food. Mm-hmm. Taste the culture, where we talked to the owner of Poor Boy Gems and they uh, told I us their, their story. Oh, yes. They're so good. Oh my God, so happy good. Okay. Happy hour, yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And the fact they've got more than one location. You know, that's a whole different business model and element. And so in in doing this, when we came up or in 2019, what we were finding is that caterers were calling us all the time. 
where the resource is. And because, with, especially with Tate leading this and with me kind of listening and working with him, we really started to like start connect with government and, and, and companies and, and, and partnerships. And so we were you know, saying to a lot of the caterers, you need to go and call this person, call this person. And what we're finding is, is that there's a whole avenue that we're gonna be building with caterers and events people and all that to bring all of this together. So as we moved into 2019, we're really, you know, are excited about the restaurants, but we're excited about new partners. Yelp DC, you know, has come back. They came to us and said, hey, we want to be able to profile, you know, your restaurants. We want to showcase this. Um, Obviously, Washington Former Charities was on board. REMW, I think a lot of people don't, you know, they are actually a sponsor. And some people say, well, REMW, they do the restaurant week. You know, why are they doing? (laughs) Can you say that again? It's R.M. Yeah, R.A.M.W., Restaurant Association of Metropolitan Washington. They sponsored us because they know that they that their membership there. They represent a certain amount of restaurants. They want um, for restaurants to know that they are there and a resource. So they actually have provided membership to all of the restaurants that sign up. You know, I mean, so it's just the community has been uh, just phenomenal in that space. Uh, Thompson Hospitality um, is back. And Thompson Hospitality was one of the, the the interesting teachable moments of 2018. 2019, they're coming with about eight or nine restaurants, Austin Grill, American Tap Room, Hand Quarter, and the biggest was Matchbox. So what was interesting about uh, these restaurants that I'm going to you know talk about all of our restaurants, but the interesting thing in 2018 is that we didn't know we were going to get a backlash because people did not know that these restaurants were black owned. Yes. That was huge. I had a learning blessing on that as well, especially with Matchbox. Matchbox. Yes. Biggest black entrepreneur story of 2018 in D.C. and nobody talked about it. And so I just know about it because I mean, I'm in I'm in the space, you know, <laughs> me, Tate, AJ, we're all in this space. So we're like, of course, yeah, everybody knows this. And so when it was released, people said when we released the restaurants, um, people said, oh, my gosh, this is not these aren't black restaurants. You know, what's going on? Um, and the reality was it, it it is. And so it opened up great conversation of what is black food? What is black food supposed to look like? What's a black owned restaurant supposed to look like? Um, it is as multifaceted as we are as a people and it was just largely embraced and you know now we're getting oh we didn't know you know a brother has a Japanese you know whiskey now you know I mean it's just all of these things and it's like yeah you know these that's the beauty of DC like it's just it's it's insane so you know we have them coming back on board stronger and ever as a spot as a sponsor and a partner cage bird like I mean, Cage Bird is just like ridiculous. We walked in there. They, you know, we it was the three of us. So Cage Bird was a rare occasion. We walked in because we started just started going around the restaurants and they were just probably open for about four months. And we said, hey, you know, let us help you. And Brandon was like, okay. And we got, you know, we gave them some suggestions, ideas. We got them on Fox 5. And it was just like, they're just, they're rolling. So Cage Bird was like actually the first one to to re-sign back up. Sobe, Culture Coffee too, Miss V, shout out to, you know, just all the things that she's doing up in Ward 5, all the events that she hosts, um, Black Female um, owned. um, Of course, all the bins, thank you to the Ali family. They're all back again. Just there a couple of weeks ago. Just there a couple, exactly. (laughs) right um wicked bloom uh and so wicked bloom is an interesting case because wicked bloom and d city smokehouse um are both owned by melvin hines and um he's back and uh has been a huge supporter 
Uh, I mean, Poor Boy Jim's is back. Uh, Bookham Cafe on the rocks. Uh, you know, Ben 1301. And I think that that's kind of the difference. I think the one thing that we did very different than other uh, weeks is that we came with an inclusive mindset. Mm -hmm. And what we mean by that is if we would have left restaurant week how it is, it would have just been the three, the prefix menu, you know, just the three courses. A lot of our restaurants are takeouts. Why can't we include coffee shops? A uh, shout out to Calabash Tea. Why can't we include coffee houses? Mm-hmm. Wicked, um, uh, what's our, our the not Wicked Balloon? Our, our guys up at um, up in Northeast at Union Market. Um, no, uh, oh my gosh, it's the coffee shop that's up there. Think of it. Oh my gosh! Uh, yeah, I know it's right there. I'm looking <laughs> right at him. Um, they, you know, all of these like they're a coffee shop, and so it's kind of like if when people were coming back to us, they said, "Well, we wanted to partake in DMV Black Restaurant Week, but there's, I mean, for twenty five dollars you can get the whole menu. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. what, there's no prefix. So we said, let's create two categories, and so we created categories for. You know, uh, bars and lounges, takeouts, caterers, and then the prefix. So I guess Smith Commons was, you know, able to be in there in the same space as like a Calabash tea. So that is what really made us different. Um, And then as we move into what we did in 2018 and 2019 is we create a signature program. So the cocktail competition, um, just shout out to 202 Creates for coming out and actually uh, filming some of uh, our cocktail competition. They, um, you know, we were able to profile as kind of going back to the original point of why we came together, uh, black bartenders uh, that are all here in the city that just don't get, they just don't get that exposure. So we were able to do- the history behind black bartenders. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's why we are we call ourselves the RR Bowie uh, cocktail, DMV cocktail competition, because RR Bowie actually was a created the mixology club in 1900. And it was only black bartenders that were at some of the the most, uh, uh, you know, members only uh, places in in Capitol Hill. Um, You could not get many of those jobs because of that because they created their own their club and they were the top one and he was the uh, president of of the of the uh, and, and formed it the first year mm-hmm. so we pay homage to to our buoy so that's why we call call it that just i mean that's just it's the beauty of like being in this area and this long history yeah. so this is not like there are black bartenders are not a phenomenon we've always been there so yeah. So we're doing that. We have a conference, our uh, food and beverage conference, and we'll talk about that. That's for everybody who's interested, but there's so many people that have their own businesses. So our conference um, showcase and highlights, we have great topics. Come out, learn about how you can grow your business, start a business, what you need to keep in mind when you're starting, you know, when you're starting a business. Um, and then we have a signature program. Last year we did She Chef which was huge, um, and we talked to, uh, to black female chefs. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's just a platform. Now we're starting to see more, um, you know, in the, in the you know, one, you know, master chef and top chefs and all the other ones, but still there was no space for them. Uh, this year, we're gonna talk more about uh, conversations and uh, cocktails of kind of the African diaspora and cuisine. Mm-hmm. So we always kind of change that up a little bit. So so stay tuned for even events we're going to be doing after the week. Well, you know, I'm already jotting down all of these events, and I can't wait to attend. Um, but for our listeners, can you tell us, is, are there dates that you already have set, for example, the conferences or the restaurant week itself? Great. Uh, 2019 
2019, DMV Black Restaurant Week is November 3rd through the 10th, 2019. Our cocktail competition is Monday, November the 4th um, at Ben's Upstairs. You can get your tickets. Our conference, food and beverage conference, it will take place on Wednesday, November the 6th at Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies on 640 Mass Ave. I got to say that, Northwest. I got to say that because it's not over in Georgetown, all right? Um, and then our, we're going to be doing um, conversation and cocktails um, at Sobe. We're not going to figure it about you, Maryland. So Sobe's on a Thursday, uh, November the 7th um, at, at Sobe's. Okay, great. So, you know, a foodie like me, you know, I always want to help out, um, especially a great event like this. What can we do and what can our listeners do to help support DMV Black Restaurant Week? The volunteers, volunteers and brand ambassadors that we have uh, has just been phenomenal. We have over 180 volunteers yes. um, that have signed up and uh, restaurant ambassadors. You can volunteer to work any of the events uh, or volunteer for the events, uh, the conference, the cocktail competition, Sobeys, but the restaurant ambassadors have been phenomenal. They are calling restaurants, just you know, r- raising the awareness. They're so passionate um, about uh, the supporting uh, black restaurants. And what people don't truly, truly understand of the effectiveness of DMV Black Restaurant Week has come from the community. Mm. And that's where it all starts. Absolutely. The community support. Um, so I definitely want to call out to my listeners to, well, actually, Dr. Tucker, if you could provide us your social media handles so we can look and see what's available as far as sign up or tickets. Absolutely. Um, you can sign up to volunteer on our website, which is dmvbrw.com. And our social media handles are at dmvbrw. So that's Facebook, uh, Twitter, and Instagram. Okay, great. And so once we go there, I'm curious, are there any discount codes for our appetizing conversation listeners today? Absolutely. So I will tell you that uh, when our when our restaurants release, there will be 10 and 15 percent discounts uh, for the different restaurants or uh, bars or takeouts. Um, but there will also be um, a discount. I think we have a discount for our conference. There's a discount code. And that code is APC. 2019 there we go ABC 2019 <laughs> I love, I love it. it yep actually for your listeners so they can Thank go you. and actually um, use that code for our food and beverage conference taking place on Wednesday come on out it's only it's 8 30 to 2 so it's just your morning and you don't have to take all day but you're going to get just an absolute year worth of, of knowledge yes you will get full by the end of the day yes So, Dr. Tuck, you gave us a lot today, and I really appreciate it. But before you go, can you tell us what advice would you give black girls and women who are thinking about entering the events and hospitality industry? A couple pieces of advice. I think the first one, going back to following your passion, I created a, an equation. I think I need to like patent this or trademark, whatever. We all need to. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, and it's, uh, I say passion plus performance equals a profession. Passion minus performance equals a hobby. So if you want people to compensate you for your passion, you have to be able to show results. So you have to just make up your mind which avenue and stream you want to go down with that. That's my first piece of advice. My second piece of advice is uh, do not limit yourself. Always think about how you can have a piece of ownership in whatever it is you do. Um, it's there's the key with the hospitality space is that it's not like it's not like if you were maybe an accountant or a CPA and like let's say you had you were 
accountant and CPA and then you had an accounting firm on the side, you'll, 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 they'll, they'll get mad at you, right? But in hospitality, it's like everybody, I mean, you can you know have be a sales manager, you can you know run spaces, and but you can also own your own events company or you can own your own social media company. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, and people are like, yeah, tell me about it. So, you know, it's, it's, it's very like, why? Because there's so much need yeah. and there's just not enough talent. So you can actually also be an entrepreneur in this space as well as work in the space mm-hmm. and have a career in it. And no one is gonna like look at you funny. So um, I, I encourage that. I think that uh, women should be a business persons and they need to always create your own content. And I think that you get to a point somewhere in your career where you kind of go, I'm tired of convincing people to th- believe in what I believe in. Instead, just start creating it and people mm-hmm. who agree with you, they'll find you. Yes, I'm a strong advocate of that. Um, And so, you know, food, as we talked about it all through this conversation, comforts the heart, warms the soul, and it normally brings us together for conversations Mm -hmm. like these. So I'm curious about you, Dr. Tucker, when you gather your girlfriends or friends over at your home, what is your favorite food to cook and have out for your, Mm -hmm. your company? Um, I definitely love preparing grilled salmon, um, as well as I have a cucumber watermelon salad that mm. I have uh, probably taken to girlfriend events from uh, Boston to Martha's Vineyard all the way to you know to, to Charlotte so to, to, to 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 I guess I should put it up put the recipe up um, <laughs> that might be a good idea um, yeah. you know I like those avenues I I, I love preparing great cocktails and martinis uh, with with my friends but also I created a little tradition called a Black Friday brunch. So what I like to do is, is that, you know, people spend more time on Black Fridays trying to, you know, shop and things like that. But I want to host now um, anybody who's still in town, all of my, my girlfriends who stay in town to just let's come together and do brunch. And I go all out, you know, just, uh, you know, waffles and, and quiches and, and, and you, know, pa- you know, everything, pancakes, yeah. you know, I mean, everything under the sun. But that is something I think because it's just it's low pressure. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't have to pay for anything. You can bring whatever you want. But that has been like a new tradition that I've kind of started uh, where I just and I love breakfast food so I love to prepare that brunch but that Black Friday brunch I love as well mm-hmm. and it's good shopping food too if you all do want to go out later that's right so. that's a great that's great yep you're absolutely right no I love it Dr. Tucker I want to thank you for stopping by appetizing conversations and giving us insight into the world of hospitality and making us aware of the importance of participating in DMV Black Restaurant Week thank you for having me You have just listened to the Appetizing Conversations podcast. To listen to this show and to view other content, you can follow me on Instagram at appetizing.conversations.